It's All Things Considered, and I'm Dave Lawrence. We're concluding with the latest guest in our Off the Road series. Hear everyone we've spoken with so far, including many exclusive musical performances at hawaiipublicradio.org, on our mobile app, and subscribe to the latest episodes on Apple and Spotify podcasts. That includes part one with Jerry Beckley of the band America, who recently released a best of from his solo career, Keeping the Light On. And John Prine, who we also lost to the virus, Jerry, does he have any connection to you guys? Well, there's a lovely, to go all the way back, people always say, well, it must have been amazing at that era. And I use, for example, we won a Grammy in 72 for Best New Artist. I like to mention that the nominees that year, if you want to know how rich and deep the music coming out in the world was at that time, the nominees for Best New Artist, these were new that year. It was America, Loggins and Messina, the Eagles, Harry Chapin, and John Prine. Wow. That was one year of Best New Artist. It's a great link there, too. And as we turn uh, to the record, very ironic kind of uh, name for the album, which doesn't have anything to do with the crisis, but it just kind of evokes hope, keeping the light on. Yeah, it kind of fit by accident. Yeah. And as you know, I mean, these these solo albums have come out in between in the gaps of what is already a very busy schedule with Dewey and the touring and, and stuff. Not so much recording now, which allowed me the time when I was home. I've always had a, a studio at home. And in every few years, put out a solo record. The challenges are different. You know, it's not a democracy. I've only got myself to please if there's a cover or two that I want to do. But I've enjoyed these projects. And the title, there's a song called Keeping the Light On, which is where that comes from. But there's a few people that I send all this stuff out to. And one is Cameron Crowe, who is as known for his musical um, scores and the soundtracks for his films as he is for the great movies that he's made. But he'd always said to me, oh, that's my favorite. You know, I love that song. And so I thought it'd be a nice, nice title for a, for a collection of songs anyway. Now, through all of this, where has your partner in America, Dewey Bunnell, been? Well, his journey is uh, as interesting, frankly, as mine. And in a sense, quite predictable like mine. We both have two homes in our life. And mine is between Venice and Sydney, Australia. And Dewey's is between... Uh, Rancho Palos Verdes and Northern Wisconsin. His wife is from Wisconsin and they have a beautiful home on a incredibly uh, picturesque lake. And they spend all summer, every summer there. And Dewey works out of Wisconsin, flies out of Rhinelander and it's not summers off, but that's their base. And they have a huge menagerie of animals and they have a horse. And so it's a big thing to move everybody over there up to the lake, April or May, they do that. So he kept that plan in place and they went and they were in kind of lockdown, very similar to how they would have spent a regular summer without the weekend flights off to do the shows. You know, uh, He's now back. He came back in September, October, I think, and has just got his second shot. He's got, a, got his two vaccinations and uh, they're doing well. We text all the time, as you can imagine. How often do you actually talk? Texting much more than talking. But my wife, you know, we love the Benells as, as a couple. And so we're always trying to schedule a FaceTime. It's one of those things, that, as you probably know, when we had a Zoom meeting with all the band and crew and everything, and we were all on this Zoom, it was so great to see everybody. And we thought, oh, this is great. We should do this every week. And, you know, a few months pass. And maybe, what happened? <laughs> you know? I know what you're talking about. You know, uh, you might know that along with New Zealand, the Australian numbers are astoundingly low. It's an island nation yeah. that shut down both ways in and out. Sydney is in the state of New South Wales, um, yep. but we have had 28 straight days in New South Wales of no new cases. Zero. Zero. You know, in a city of millions of people, 
But, you know, Melbourne has three times this year locked down severely. You know, nobody can go out. Uh, all shops and restaurants closed. But here in New South Wales, we've been really, really fortunate. Do you go out and do stuff or do you do you stay in? We do. Well, we have. And that has come and gone. Restaurants were doing half capacity and stuff. But um, the joke is with the movie theaters, the movies we go see, nobody goes to see anyway. All of these foreign <laughs> films of theaters are empty. But for a while, masks were mandatory indoors, public transport. But there's a very few masks to, for full disclosure because there's just absolutely no cases. Wow. Um, wow. How wild. You're the first cat in this entire series who says anything like that because I knew it would be different there. So you're saying to me, Jerry, just to get this right, you go out on the street, you're walking around in Sydney, Australia, and you mm-hmm. don't wear a mask and other people aren't wearing them either. I'll have a mask in my pocket at all times. Mm-hmm. If we're taking an Uber. The driver will have a mask. It's the first thing we do before we get in the car. Now, for weeks when there might have been, like, say there was a cluster. And when I say a cluster, I mean that there were six positive cases in a particular area in Sydney. And they would lock that area. They call that area a red zone. You're not allowed to drive in or out. Then we were mandatory to wear a mask if you were going into the supermarket or something. But in general, no, there's very few. Masks. Wow. What a different scene than what uh, than what we're going through. It looks like you guys have America dates that start this summer. Um, we actually have something in June still on the calendar, and that's uh, the moment it still exists. But big chunk of the summer is Europe. Okay. But, you know, it was morphing as we spoke. There was a London gig and there was a, a festival called the Cornberry Festival. Shows in France, Italy, Germany, Sweden, which we hadn't played ever. And I think there's even an Iceland date. Now, obviously, Glastonbury was just punted. And that dynamic is an unfortunate. There's a business element to this, because let's say that there were 10 shows on a European tour. If three or four of them fall out, you might be in a difficult situation because a lot of times the finances of these things depend on everything happening. And if you pull out a half of the shows, then all of a sudden the airfares and things start to become cost prohibitive. And Dewey and I have vowed to go out and do what we can when we can. But uh, there's going to be a certain amount of decisions that have to be made regardless. Are these concerts that you're scheduled for scheduled to sell all the tickets in these houses? Well, it's different. Each show is different show. For example, the Cornberry Festival is an outdoor festival. And so because it's outdoor, it's a lot easier for them to just spread everybody out. But the unfortunate reality of 90 some percent of all the music business and touring is a numbers game based on capacity and ticket price and all of these equations. And the minute you cut capacity in half or God forbid, a quarter, um, you've you've, uh, cut the guarantees down that. So it's not as simple as, well, let's just do it for for good old time's sake and get everybody out there. It has to work for all of the people, what they call the margins, the margins in big time concerts, you know, stadium acts and arenas and stuff are so slim. Promoters basically have to sell every seat. Right. in order to pay the guarantees that a lot of these major acts demand. I'm not lumping myself in that group, but I just know the dynamics of how this works. And it's uh, causing everybody to reassess this. And there's a lot of people that say, well, I can't take the machine out, can't take the band out for half. So, um, you know, that's all in our case to be determined. Everything that we have basically is gigs that have been postponed from last year. They're not reduced capacity. They're not reduced guarantees. But some artists have told us they are going to be taking lower guarantees in the future to make it work. Inevitable, unfortunately, but exactly what that means, you know, is that just knocking a 10% off the top or is it, you know, some serious recalculation? Everything about 
a touring entity, meaning you go out with a 15-person crew, you've got double the costs of some band that goes out with a seven-person crew. It's just simple math. There's a hotel, there's a flight for everybody. These things all have to fit into some kind of framework. And one of the places, Jerry, that you said you're scheduled to play this summer is England. That's where you guys formed as kids of U.S. servicemen based there. And among the first major gigs for the group America, the Roundhouse in London. It was uh, December 1970, opening for The Who and Elton John. I remember it very well. And not long after that, um, we played same venue, the Roundhouse. And this was Dewey, Dan, and I on stools doing about 20, 30 minutes of what was basically half of our the first album. But we opened for Pink Floyd. <laughs> so we did our 30 minutes of acoustic. And then they came out with a 90-piece orchestra and choir and played Adam Hart Mother, you know, their new album yeah. from start to finish. So, yeah, we had some really amazing. Then a few months later, we were at the Oval Cricket Ground in Wembley with The Who and The Faces, Rod and The Faces. And we had a singer-songwriter one time when we were, when we were yeah, I don't know, late 70s or something, uh, named Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I missed it. You know, and I'd heard, oh, I think this guy signed to, signed to CBS. He's, he's going to be the next big thing, which, of course, he was. But it still didn't get me to the gig early enough to watch. So funny. He opened for you guys. Yeah. Did you ever do Royal Albert Hall or Ronnie Scott's in London? No, but, you know, that's that's a great. We haven't ever played the Albert Hall, but we always had a joke about it. You say, you know, the Albert Hall. Yeah, yeah. Well, right next door is the Imperial College. And we've played there <laughs> two or three times. <laughs> Jerry Beckley of America, keeping the light on, his new solo best of, and we'll go out with an America classic. Big Mahalo, it's a lot of fun having you back on the show, my brother. Always good to talk with you, and thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. You too. Stay safe. Aloha. Nice to hear your voice. Chewing on a piece of grass, walking down the road. Tell me how long you gonna stay here, Joe. Some people say this town don't look good in snow. You don't care, I know. Venture a highway, 